When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Absolute belter of a September morn. Out there, good morning to you. 1850-715-996 is the number. Text or WhatsApp 83 396 Your email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Coming up later on this morning, if you knew John Kennedy, if you were a friend of John Kennedy, if you have anything you'd like to say about the legend that was John Kennedy, we'll be playing are paying tribute to John after 10 o'clock this morning. We have a few friends and a few associates and a few colleagues that want to say a few words about the great John Kennedy. That's coming up after 10. If you'd like to add your voice to those tributes, we'll give it as much time as you want us uh, to give it. That is after 10 o'clock. I got such a shock on Friday night when Ken Tobin texted me to say that uh, the man who had drowned in East Cork was was John Kennedy. Such a shock indeed. I didn't even know John well, but his many, many friends are devastated and have been devastated right over the weekend. So that's coming up at uh, after 10 this morning when we pay tribute to John Kennedy. Uh, also, that's interesting, we started with Kira on Friday morning. We were talking to Kira at uh, 3 Degrees about the fire in the salon. Now we read that Gardaí are treating it as a suspected arson attack. That's that's a, a, a bad turn for the books. We keep an eye on that one uh, throughout the course of the morning. But on a Monday, it's customary to look back at the weekend. It has been at least for the last few months in terms of COVID-19. And Mondays and Fridays are the days that I kind of do the numbers now uh, more frequently than, than other days. And as you'll know, we've been doing the 14-day numbers on the show. Rather than individual days, over the 14 days, we take our numbers from the official hub figures and adding in yesterday's 36 cases, which is the biggest number in Cork for quite some time. I haven't looked back at when we last had 36, but it's it's quite a while for one day. So our 14-day figures for Cork for the 20th of September, my friends, are 130 cases across the population of Cork City and County. The 20th of August, so for 20th of September, yesterday, 130. Go back to the 20th of August, we had 35. So that's nearly four times as many yesterday. Go back to July, uh, 20th of July, we had 17 cases across the 14-day period. Go back to June, we had six cases across the 14-day 
period. So in four months, in three months in fact, from June to July, July to August and August to September, we've gone from six cases in 14 days to 130 cases across Cork City and County in 14 days. Now we're nowhere near the panic situation of Dublin yet and thankfully they're not looking at level three for Cork just yet. But uh, Professor Jerry Clean joins me again. Jerry, good morning to you. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Sadly, I think you're itching to say I told me I told you so. Uh, I'm not at all. Okay. I um, I'd love to be wrong about these things. Yeah, I know you would, Jerry. But what I mean is, you did warn us. Well, yeah. Well, it's more just giving people a chance to kind of look at the numbers objectively for themselves and apply their own common sense. Yeah. Now, Dublin has gone into stage three and sadly looks to be teetering on the edge of being out of control. But those numbers, I've been keeping those numbers in a graph form in Cork. Like, we're gone from six cases in the fortnight leading up to the 20th of June to 130 in the fortnight leading up to the 20th of September. What's that telling you? Um, well, it means it's just following the, the standard rules of uh, you know, uh, epidemic uh, dynamics. You know, exponential growth, exponential um, shrinkage, you, you get one or the other. And, you know, here in Cork, uh, we're homo sapiens, we're the same kind of people as, as the people who live in Dublin and the same kind of people as those who live in China and Brazil and New Zealand and Australia and uh, the United States. So we're all faced with the same challenge and it's, it's really down to us and the virus. Now... As I say, they went to stage three in Dublin last week. Uh, plus the fact we should also take into account the fact that the Sunday figure can be unreliable, can in fact be underestimated because of the way the stuff is collected. So we could have, and we'd have another figure on Monday. We've come not to trust the Monday figures. So we could have a major problem in Cork by midweek. Uh, yes. And, um, you know, I think there's no point in crying over spilt milk, but, you know, it is good to look back so that we learn lessons. And you know, one of the lessons we would learn is that this shouldn't be a surprise. So, you know, kind of going forward, I think it's just important that we kind of, um, you know, we've got four legs. It looks like a horse. It sounds like a horse. It probably is a horse. So, you know, it's always a danger to get distracted by um, side stories. It's an even bigger mistake for us all to get, um, you know, it's tense. So it's very easy to find ourselves fighting with each other. And I've noticed the temperatures rising on um, on talk shows and in the media over the last few weeks. And I don't think that helps. You know, what we need to do, and it's, it's a very difficult thing to do, is to look at this in a kind of a really cold, um, objective way and make um, cold, hard, objective decisions about what's best for our household, our families, our businesses, uh, our economy. And, and and take that going forward. But whatever we do, we've got to do it together. And I'd really, you know, I'm, I've been through a few fairly tense situations and the biggest mistake we could all make is it's very easy under those circumstances to start fighting with each other. And you, I think we can see from Brazil and the United States what happens when you do get a fragmented society. Today is the day the wet pubs are opening around Cork. Will it be uh, more bad news piled on top of more bad news, Jerry? Well, it just seems it seems reckless. I um, I, I really feel for the pub owners. Um, on 
that line is that line is falling away from me. Can this you this particular challenge? But you know, the eleven different hospitals around the states uh, did a case control study of um, the coronavirus and non-coronavirus patients, and they found that the risk of having COVID is doubled if you visited a restaurant, and it's quadrupled if you visited a bar or a cafe. Because we're not tracing, um, was it Philip Nolan was saying this on Friday, we're not tracing back the five days since you were in a bar or restaurant, so we're not doing that kind of trace. But you're taking the international evidence where they have done that. Yeah, exactly. It's just a different approach to the whole thing. And I, I'm glad Philip Nolan really acknowledged those kind of limitations. In, in epidemiology, you're always, you never get to see the whole iceberg. So you've got to know what an iceberg looks like and understand the bits that you don't see. And so contact tracing data has lots of really inherent biases in it, and there's lots of things that you don't see. So, yeah, I, I certainly agree that, you know, um, particularly what contact tracing underrepresents is community transmission, the untraceable stuff. And, you know, even a bar or a restaurant or a school or whatever, it doesn't have to be a cluster. It can just be a crossroad that the virus can pass through and move around from one household to the next. So, but now, you know, the international evidence is there. None of it is surprising. It's one of these cases where you don't want to have the evidence. You know, you're better off not having it. Um, People like myself much prefer it when nobody knows whether we were right or wrong because you just kill off the problem. I mean, nobody knows now what would have happened if SARS had been allowed to proceed and turn into a global pandemic. We don't know because it was killed off. Yeah. fast and early, despite having reached 29 countries. This thing so, is a lot harder to kill off, though, Ger. Um, well, we're making it harder for ourselves. You know, by the end of June, I'm glad you brought up those numbers for Cork, um, just looking at what's happened since the end of June, you know. And, you know, I redid my calculations this morning, and I reckon by the end of June, we were about six weeks away from having days with zero cases mm. if we'd kept going. And approximately today in Cork, we're about 12 weeks away from that if we were to buy into an elimination approach. You know, and I think Australia is more relevant to the European situation than New Zealand would be. Yeah. I was speaking to someone at the weekend, an old friend who's lived for 20-something years in Sweden and has a science background and said that over there now, what we're not getting is the real story that Anders Tegnell's method people are now looking and saying maybe he's not mad maybe it was the go- maybe maybe it was the right thing to do with Sweden their economy is is uh, functioning again and they've got the vulnerable protected they're they're looking after the weak and they're moving on is there any benefit for the Swedish model for any of us i think well the first thing about the Swedish model i mean there's some things i like about it it's technically led it has a technical Rationale. It's not like some of the, the complete kind of snake oil theories that are out there, but it's a very big gamble. And unfortunately, you know, the roulette wheel hasn't stopped spinning. You know, eventually, um, yeah, and I have a friend, a very vulnerable and extremely experienced um, high-end um, you know, medical friend in Sweden, and, you know, he can't stay in the log cabin by the lake forever. So, uh, you know, the we won't know how the Swedish model works out until everything has to click back into gear again. And, you know, I wish them well. I, I really hope the Swedish experiment works out 
Mm. But it is a gamble. And if the coin turns up the wrong way, then, you know, it's not going to be... A At the moment, thing. the numbers seem to be going okay for them, but... Yeah, I just, you know, the basic gamble is in the end stage dynamics of um, transmission and immunity. And if you look at a country like Ecuador that just rips through its, its pandemic and it now looks to be endemic, you know, that's not a pretty picture either. So that's, you know, 30, 30 days, deaths a day and, and stable. So, you know, there's no sign of that ever going away. Yeah. Yeah. Over the weekend, we've had a lot of videos emerging again, Professor. Um, particularly, I'm thinking of the Oliver Bond flats in Dublin. There was a, a video went around social media. There's a kind of a naming and shaming and blaming thing going on. Is that any good to anybody? Well, I think it's, um, you know, it is an issue, but it's not the issue. It, it's part of the general kind of spectrum of issues we're all going to have to deal with. You know, we're, we're all, we've all done it. We've all had our family gatherings. I think the best example, I think the most rational example, the, I'm looking at what they're doing in the UK with the, kind of the rules of six and maybe, you know, what we did in our family is to ration out your contacts. And so what we did in our family was basically we eliminated all contacts except for the people who were most important to us. So like we avoided anybody for two weeks so that my dad could come down and spend, you know, a few days with us. Yeah. Um, safely. And we did that, you know, before you know, the economy started gearing back up again, the kids going back to school, all that kind of stuff. And so we tried to kind of really ration out our contacts for the people that are closest to us. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my aunt, um, my my dad, um, you know, my brother a couple of times. And, and so just any opportunity you have to, to limit that you know, do that. And, I, and also allow people to ask the right questions. I mean, I, I've just been, you know, I read the Southern Star and I've just been in, and, and also the, the um, you know, some of the even-handed commentaries by the GAA commentators in particular about the balance of risks. Um, you know, those are reasonable conversations. They're good questions to ask. And they're important for us as we, you know, we're signed, we're now committed to a, a living with the virus plan. Yeah. We have to all get behind us. If we don't give it a chance, it doesn't have a chance. Mm. And if it doesn't work out the way that a lot of us had envisaged, you know, we're going to have to, um, you know, we want to learn those lessons with no doubts and no regrets. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you know, where we're not all blaming somebody else. The reality is, you know, it's what the majority of the people in this country, as far as I can I tell, wanted to try, you know, all parties, government and opposition, uh, have been asking for this. We're all in this now. Yeah. Let's give it our best shot. And then, you know, fingers crossed it all works out. If it doesn't, you know, we're going to have to change direction yeah. together. There's a, a number of charts as well came out at the weekend where you're breaking it down into electoral areas and we're looking at the parts of Cork that were particularly bad, the parts of Dublin that were particularly bad. Are those statistics of any use to us? They are, and um, they, you know, that's a big move I really welcome from the government. It allows people to act and allows you to do things on a local short-term basis that you mightn't be able to do forever. Um, you know, I've learned a lot from speaking to Niall Conroy in Australia and, um, and how they're dealing with it in Queensland, which I think is 
you know, much more representative of what would be like for us here in Europe if we were to get into elimination plans. And, you know, basically they have, um, because they did the hard yards with all the you know, present, preventative, presumptive stuff, you know, all the boring stuff, the washing the hands, the distancing, the restrictions, all that kind of stuff, even though they do have cases coming in from Victoria, they can mop those up because they can really just jump in the truck, head out there. The local population all become hypersensitized. They all get tested. You can really target the testing capacity to, you know, a small town or neighborhood, mm. uh, to uh, an entire um, hostel or or prison or wherever it may be. You can snuff out those epidemics, and so life can largely go on yeah. as normal, even though you do have occasional cases. Yeah, I mean, Queensland has a very large land border with with Victoria, and so um, and be, but because Queensland has taken the lead, and most of Australia has taken the lead, you know, Victoria is following, and as soon as Victoria comes out of its struggles, yeah. then life will be really back to quite normal. Finally, on the subject, uh, Professor, of meat factories, because some of the commentary on meat factories, I have to say would seem to suggest that we're the only country in the world that has a problem with our meat factories. We, we're not, are we? No, we're not. We're not. And, uh, you know, I just looking recently at a... I was looking up the restaurant issue and I looked at an old study from China that showed basically an entire restaurant, um, at least half of it, half the restaurant got COVID because they were lined up with the air conditioner, right? So, so you can imagine in a meat factory where you've got recycled um, refrigerated air because you can't afford to pump that stuff in and then pump the refrigerated air out again. You can imagine that a meat factory is, um, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a very difficult place to manage dish. COVID risk. Should we shut them down when we have a serious problem in a meat factory? Like we had one in North Cork. Should we shut down the factory for a fortnight? Because you, you, you risk then taking a major, making a major hole in your supply chain. Yeah, well, I, I you know, I, I think we should. You know, obviously we can't do that forever. But I mean, that's kind of fine. When we, when we flew in in March with our bag of rice and our bag of beans, we had assumed we'd be vegetarians for, for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, we were all geared up for that. But, um, but you know, I, I think these are just the, these kind of questions we've got to ask. And I think, uh, and it doesn't, and, you know, we've got to, you know, they are important questions to ask. We shouldn't round on people when they ask them. And I think back to, um, there was a wonderful, um, the great um, Muhammad Amin, he was the great um, TV journalist of Africa in the post-independence era. He's the guy who broke the um, the story on the Ethiopian famine, uh-huh. and the way that his his operating style was described as ruthless compassion. You know, you've just as difficult as the situation is, you've got to stay calm, you've got to stay cool, and just make the right decisions. And just call it as it is, and not as you want it to be. All right, listen. Thanks very much for that. As always, Professor uh, Jared Killeen. He's the AXA Research Chair in Applied Pathogen Ecology at UCC. Some people have nicknamed him Dr. Doom, but so far, the man has been right. Since I first brought him on here uh, a couple of months ago, he has been right with regards to the numbers. He thinks that opening the 
pubs today is a recipe for disaster. By the way, I heard a lot of different reports about the marina market yesterday. The marina market's a fabulous idea and delighted to see it getting up and running. But I heard a lot of mixed views. Yeah, I wasn't there, so I can't comment. I've seen some video on Facebook from a mate of mine whose partner had a stall there. And he said they seem to be making an effort with distancing and masks and all of that kind of thing. The stall holders at least. But if you were down there and you were observing this, what was it like? Because it's a great idea, but the last thing you want is for it to become, to become a bit of a COVID hub. You don't want that to happen. 1850-715-996. Copenhagen to this. That's uh, the Keep Vaccinating rap. We'll get the story behind it next. The Takeover. On Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. What we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Story. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. That was kind of cool. A little bit of rapping before the break. Uh, put together by. Uh, a Trinity professor in immunology, uh, Dr. Rachel McLaughlin. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. A very cool idea. Where did it come from and why did you do it? So the reason we uh, made this wrap, it's part of a campaign which I'm running at the moment to shine a spotlight on the importance of vaccination and to highlight in particular how important it is to keep vaccinating despite the current situation we find ourselves in with COVID in this country. So as a nation, we are all had first-hand experience of the devastating impact of this viral pandemic. And of course, we're waiting patiently for a vaccine to protect against COVID-19. 
But as parents, we've the power to protect our children against so many other infectious diseases through the childhood immunisation schedule. And so um, that's what the goal of this campaign was, was to highlight to parents, despite everything that's going on in the world at the moment, people have lots of worries and concerns. You must take your children for their vaccines. It's so important that the children get those vaccines and don't let COVID put you off taking your children to the doctor to get their scheduled vaccines. Because mm, obviously life came to a, a pause exactly. back in March. And have some children now missed their essential vaccines because of that whole pause? Well, this is exactly the thing. And the worry is that there might have been some parents, for whatever reasons, maybe they didn't have the capacity to get to the doctor's surgery or they were just hesitant. And really, it kind of came from a, a personal uh, uh, position on it myself. So obviously, as an immunologist, the decision for me to take my children to get their vaccines is very simple. But earlier this year, I was due to take my own daughter, Avril, for some of her scheduled vaccine appointments. And even I had to stop and, and ask is it okay to take her to the doctor? Are the vaccines still going ahead? And it was then it dawned on me that there's probably a lot of parents around the country wondering the same thing. That the majority of parents are, are very diligent at, at, at taking their children for their appointments. But, you know, this, this raised a question in my mind. So that was really the motivation then behind this campaign, to try to get the message out there that we need to keep vaccinating. Don't hesitate. Um, and then, of course, the idea of the wrap then was a little bit of fun to kind of come up with an alternative way to deliver that message and hopefully put a smile on people's faces because we certainly need that at the moment, well, don't well, we? Well, you did that. You did that for sure, Rachel, because it's, it's great. But what, I, I noticed something sad in, yes. in some of the notes uh, where you say when sharing the video, please turn off comments to protect the children from hate speech. That's out there. Yes, and this was something obviously we had to think very seriously about. Um, vaccination is incredibly, it's, it's, it's a controversial topic. For some people, we know they feel very strongly anti-vaccination. Um, and these children were willing to participate and they did a fantastic job putting this wrap together for us. So you know, it's of utmost importance to me to make sure that anyone connected with this campaign was in no way negatively impacted by the very, very small number, but we know they're out there of people who may have taken a negative approach to it. Small but very vocal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the problem. And so that's part of this. You know, as I keep saying, the vast majority of people in this country are pro-vaccination and they get their children vaccinated. But actually, those people, we don't talk too much about it. It's the negative stuff that you hear. So I wanted to get the population talking about how fantastic it is that we have these vaccines. Okay. You know, we're lucky enough in this country that our children are, are, are provided with vaccines um, that protect them against 13 different infectious diseases. That's a huge number. And that's available to everyone free. Once you have your baby, you're entitled to get those vaccines. So it just makes sense to, to just get out there and, and, and get them done. On the subject of vaccines and the subject of, of COVID, where are we, Rachel? We hear, depending on what paper you read and television yeah. program you watch on whatever day of the week, we've anything from seven showing great promise to a hundred and something testing. What are, what are you hearing? How close yeah. are we to something we can actually inject into ourselves that will give us some protection? And so what you have to be understand about those numbers is those, the numbers of people banded around about 150 vaccines are in development. So the vaccine development process needs to go through a number of different phases before a vaccine can be deemed effective and more importantly, safe to be rolled out in the population. And so those numbers, 
um, cover all of the vaccines that are in the different stages. Now, where we want to focus on is on phase three. So those are the ones that are close to the end. So close to having enough data that will tell us the vaccines are safe and effective. And there are currently nine vaccines at that stage. Yeah. And so what's happened with the COVID vaccine development process has been absolutely phenomenal. The speed at which we've gotten to this stage in the process has just been incredible. Because it normally takes an average of five to seven years, exactly. doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. So the reason this has been able to be fast-tracked is testament to the work that's been put into vaccine development for years. So the basic research that goes into understanding immune responses to viruses, understanding how vaccines work, we had that knowledge and we had those tools. And then when co- coronavirus emerged, um, we were able to apply that knowledge and those tools to the development of a COVID-19 vaccine. So that's why we were able to move things along so quickly. Nobody has the answer as to when. Um, we have to be patient because it's important that any vaccine that becomes available is effective, but more importantly, safe. So we mm. need to wait for the data on that. But I'm confident that it's it's going to come. And, and of course, the hope would be that next year we will see yeah. something become but available. When you think about this, kind of three things we want, isn't there, Rachel? There's a vaccine that's safe to use that we can first of all give to the most vulnerable. Exactly. There's then a medicine that we can take that you literally get in the chemist and, and will control it in, in you. And, 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 you know, there's, there's, we just need to, do we need to just knuckle down and wait? Have we got to just knuckle down and wait? Is there no other, is there no other choice? Absolutely. You're spot on there. We have no other choice. We see the numbers are increasing at a scary rate again. Um, we know we suppressed it in the past, so we know we can do it. And people know, I mean, the information is there. People know what they need to do. They have to distance themselves from others they have to restrict their movements we have no choice but sit tight and wait Um, and of course the worrying thing is if we don't adhere to the restrictions now things could get worse before they get better okay thank you for your time good to talk to you that's dr rachel mclaughlin professor of immunology at uh, trinity college one last listen i think this is the coolest thing i've heard in a while this is really nice let's have a quick age again for just 30 seconds FM is now streaming even more music choice. More music choice. Check out the hit mix online for fresh new music. Keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice. And stream the all new Fit Mix for your workout. Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. This is Corks. Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 On Corks 96 FM. Going through the data that uh, Jerry Killeen was talking about, it's, it's a good piece in the Echo this morning. I'm not entirely sure who's written it, but it's on page four 
of today's Echo where they've gone through all the data that came out over the weekend looking at Cork and the Fermoy, Cork City South West and Skibbereen West Cork local electoral areas have the highest 14-day case numbers per 100,000 of population. Uh, or no, by the way, for the whole county, our case numbers per 100,000 of population this morning are up and around, what's 5 into 130? It's 20, 24 uh, per, per 100,000 for the, for the whole county as of this morning. But for between the September the 1st and the 14th, uh, Formoy had 24.7 cases per 100,000 people. Cork City South West had... 21.3 per 100,000. Skibbereen in West Cork had five. Uh, was it five? 16.5 for the 100,000. In the South Central, uh, we had 15.5 per 100,000. Uh, Cove had 14.7 per 100,000. There was less than five cases in Cork City Northwest, Cork City Southeast, Cork City Northeast, Bantry West, Cork, McCroom, Banding and said they all had very low incidents. But across the city and county in the last 14 days up to yesterday, we now have 24 cases per 100,000. Yesterday, Dr. Neve Lynch, who I've had on the show before from the Bonds, uh, was saying, lads, it's time we copped on, it's time we cottoned on to ourselves and realised that we this is all in our own control. Neve, good morning. Good to talk to you again. Hello, PJ. You're probably sick of the sound of my voice. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I, I, I love to see a good common sense tweet. Lads, 36 in Cork. We need to cop on. We were seeing those kind of numbers in Dublin three weeks ago. What we do this weekend plays out in two weekends' time. And again, we should remember that, shouldn't we? That you know, the, the 36 cases reported yesterday are, as they use the technical term now, seeded maybe the previous weekend. That's right. So the numbers we're seeing from this weekend, essentially, those infections were transmitted about 10 to 14 days ago. Um, and, you know, I'm very mindful of the fact, because my own daughter made her confirmation, I'm mindful of the fact that we've had a lot of sort of social gatherings, say, in Cork over the last two weeks. Now, most people have been fantastic. They've cancelled their plans in terms of big parties and stuff like that, and they've stuck to the guidelines. But there's always going to be a few that can't or don't or won't. Um, and I think what's more concerning than the numbers today is that the or not, which is, you know, the, num- the number yes. of people that inherited from others um, has gone up to almost, well, I think it's around the two in Cork, <coughs> excuse me, which means that every one person passes it on to two people. Two in Cork, Neve. Yeah, so if, if you have 36 now, then if each of those 36 passes it on to two people, you know, you're talking That's about... 72. Six, yeah, so you're, you know, you're looking at exponential growth unless we essentially cop on, to use that phrase. Um, so we've been brilliant with the masks here in Cork. Like, I was in Dublin... Um, a, a week ago or more that for uh, work and I really was struck by how people were not wearing their masks mm. whereas there's a noticeable um, sort of uh, difference between Dublin and Cork I think in that regard that's just from me eyeballing the place you know well, I think I think, I, I, think you're, I think you're right and I think there's a very we've gone very respectful in Cork as in we now may not like wearing the mask I've said it before and I'll say it again I hate wearing the blast of things but we respect the fact that it's the right thing to do when you go to the shop, when you go to the supermarket, when you go anywhere indoors where you're going to be meeting up with a lot of people. Yes, but that's only one thing. There are five things. 
So I, I think what Cork needs to focus on now, like like I said to you the last time, I think about the rules of the road. You know, there's no point in obeying all of them and then driving through a red light. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like you know, we have to do them all. So we have to limit our contacts. We have to keep our social distance. We have to practice the hand hygiene and cough etiquette. And really importantly, so some people they've been diagnosed with COVID and they don't feel particularly bad and they they might not be isolating or doing it properly. It's really important to isolate if you feel unwell. Uh, or if you've been diagnosed with COVID. And, you know, it, there's no shame. Like, we shouldn't be blaming the people who have the COVID. It's yes. not, you know, like, there really should be no shame in being diagnosed with it or saying to people, I'm not isolating because I have COVID, you know? Um, like, we can't be judgmental about people who have COVID. It's not, you know, it's not their fault that they have it. Um, but I think it's it's kind of imperative on all of us now to do our bit, really, mm. and to do the five things, not just the mask, you know? Someone said to me at the weekend, and I thought it was quite a wise comparison, they said, BJ, you wouldn't shame someone for getting a cold. Mm. Why would you shame someone for getting this? Exactly. I mean, you know, we don't we don't say to, if somebody gets the flu, oh, you know, they weren't keeping their social distance or they weren't wearing a mask or they weren't washing their hands. We don't. We, we feel sorry for people who have the flu and we should feel sorry for people who have COVID because it's it's a nasty thing, even if you don't end up in hospital. Um, so, you know, there, you know, there should not be any shame in, you know, going for a test. We have to say thank you to the people who've gone for the test and gotten diagnosed. They've done the responsible thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of us have to do that now as well. All right. Listen, and by the way, just one last question. I gave you the numbers there of the 130 for the 20th of September back to six in June. Again, what did we do differently in that three months? Was it that we opened up the economy too much or did we just maybe take our eye off the ball as well? I think, like, you know, the vast majority of cases are close contact um, and that's, you know, people who've been in close, people who have COVID unknowingly and are in close contact with family or friends. You know, if you can't see something, it's very hard to constantly be on your guard and I think we are tired and I think we are letting our guard down but I think now is the time to just maybe just wake up a little bit and just say look you know I mean you know we all want to have Christmas with our families and we should maybe think that in that kind of long term thought now and say right you know let's aim to have this really locked down by December not that horrible lockdown phrase but you know have a real handle on this Mm -hmm. by December so we can celebrate with our families but like you know this is really a marathon and not a sprint but I think we just have to remember those five things and do them all not just not just the masks you know wash the hands wear yeah. the mask keep the distance and the other two well limit your contact limit your circles um, yeah. well like we can all start with that you know like if you and this is the message that's been coming from uh, Ronan Glynn it's you know think about the number of people you met last week and maybe half that if you can um, so that we're you know that we're having less contact uh, with you know people and try to limit it to particular social bubbles you know and maybe if we if really focus on that maybe this week and just think longer term look you know what kind of a Christmas do we want really yeah. and if you you're know? not feeling right isolate yourself exactly and and thank you very much for doing that and thank you for going to get a test and it's not your fault you have COVID if you have it right. you know okay yeah. Neil thanks very much that's Dr Neil Lynch pediatrician in the Bonds of course lots of comments since since uh, nine friends are cycling in West Cork and Kerry the amount of D-Ridge cars that passed them was crazy. It couldn't all be locals with a D-Ridge. They were like the swallows migrating for the winter, trying to get out of Dublin before midnight. On D-Ridge, it can't be, be a bit careful that I, I drive a D-Ridge. Uh, one of our little family jalopy, our little runabout, is a D-Ridge. You know, <laughs> so there's no one going to accuse me. Of, but I, I get your point. On the marina market, my daughter was at the market yesterday and said very few people were wearing masks. Now the mask, the 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 market was 
outside so they kind of don't have to. But there was varying reports from the marina market yesterday. Varying reports. And some people were very happy with what they saw. Some people were not happy at all with what they saw. Dan says, take the alcohol off the shelves, close the off-licenses for one month, give the publicans a chance, see how things progress when people can't get alcohol for their house parties. I text, these numbers are to be expected. We were told things would go low in the summer and build again in the winter. We have schools and businesses back up and running. We have to get on with life. It's important to mention this when giving the numbers. This is all going as expected. Please do not give out my name. I know a few pub owners. Got to say I'm gobsmacked that the wet pubs are reopening today. The day after the largest COVID numbers since May, they open and they're against Neffet advice. I feel sorry for the owners, but really not the time for it. I don't think we're against Neffet advice at all when we're still in phase, phase two. We're still officially in phase two. I was down the marine market yesterday. Uh, the complete lack of COVID measures and mask wearing was terrible. The only coffee stall had a 30-minute wait, zero social distancing while you waited. Also, the entrance wasn't divided between in and out, and you had to walk through the crowds waiting for the coffee. It was really bad, and only waiting for a case to come out of it. No contact tracing either. It's a brilliant idea, but it won't be back. But I won't be back, says John. Also, people on Twitter are commenting the same way. Pity about the complete lack of COVID-appropriate behaviour. No social distancing, overcrowded Few people with face masks, limited stewarding. There is a pandemic going on. We'll catch up with Dublin in no time if this continues. 1850-715-996. And then this. I saw this at the weekend and I was I was genuinely sad because it's become one of the most beloved animals in the country. Bill says, very disappointed with a paper yesterday giving the president's dog centre stage with a big spread. But not one mention of people dying of suicide or of homelessness. No need for such a big tribute without balancing it. Well, Bill, I'll put it to you two ways. First of all, that is one of the most beloved four-legged creatures in the country, Shioda, who passed away at the weekend. And that those dogs are loved and adored by thousands of people up and down the country. Your point on balance. Look, Bill, there are stories in the newspapers every day about tragedy of suicide, tragedy of homelessness. And so there should be. There was nothing at all wrong. If people think I'm wrong, come on and have a go at 1857-15996. But I think the coverage accorded to the president's dog, there was nothing wrong with it. Nothing at all wrong with it. It is a most beloved creature. 1850-715996. I can see the abuse coming now. For 20 minutes of the best music mix. And everything Cork. On Cork's 96FM. Check out new music all this week from the likes of Joel Corey and Cork band True Tides. We hear from the stars. Here's Gaga. I love you. Stay safe. And I might sound like a broken record, but wear a mask. Did you know Ed Sheeran? Not a big fan of TV. You know, I'm not a big TV watcher. I kind of like, if it's on, I watch it. On air, online, and on your smart speaker. And Tobin, weekdays from midday. With the White Rabbit Bar and Barbecue. A brand new look with the same great food and service. See whiterabbit.ie. Quartz 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96 FM. 
Uh, coming up between 10 and 11, we will be uh, paying tribute to the late John Kennedy following his sudden and tragic passing at the weekend. So if you have something you'd like to say or a story you'd like to tell, uh, you can get us in all the usual ways. We'll be mentioning John Kennedy between 10 and 11. Also focusing a little bit on the various pubs that are reopening today. It's only a week or two ago that I spoke to Brian Kenny up at the Boot House. All set for today, Brian. Good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? Yeah, we're bursting. We can't wait. We're ready to go. Now, are you nervous given the numbers being up last evening? Um, yeah, it has to be a concern, to be fair. But I think for now, we just have to focus on the task in hand. Um, we have a lot of work done. We have a little bit to do between now and four o'clock. And, um, you know, we just have to concentrate on our own thing and just hope that things don't get any worse numbers-wise. So what kind of things have you had to put in place? Or what will be difference between, different between going for a pint in the boothouse tonight and going for a pint in the boothouse last February? Well, I suppose the biggest thing is that uh, we would be, you know, we'd be very local. We have a lot of regulars and the lads love sitting around the counter. And unfortunately, you can't sit at the counter. Um, but we have put measures in place. We have tables near the counter, which will counteract that, hopefully. And we've had to space out our tables. And, um, you know, there are various different measures in place. There's lots of stickers and signs and everything around. What's the your capacity, Brian? Uh, our capacity at the moment is probably down to about 30, I'd say. Right, right. And it's all tables and you have to order from your table, is that correct? You have to order from the table and uh, it's all table service. And do you have to book in advance? Um, at the moment, we're not booked out, but we have we have some bookings. Mm. But uh, we'll just have to play that by ear and see how it goes. But at the moment, um, you know, people can... People can walk in at the moment. What's the, is there a time limit? Uh, there is a time limit. Um, the time lim- limit is 1 hour 45 minutes. Right, right. And that's because you're, you're confined really by one metre. You can't do two. Yeah, we were, we were trying to work out that we could uh, space people out by two metres, but unfortunately the structure of the building has restricted us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are some of the tables are two metres apart. Um, so hopefully people on those tables will have unlimited time, but um, other tables are only a metre apart, so there will definitely be a time limit there, unfortunately. Okay, well, listen, good luck and good fortune with it, and I hope it goes really well for you all. Thank you so much, PJ. Thank Cheers. You. That's, that's Brian Kenny at the Boot House. They've been closed since the middle of March. They're going to give it a lash and follow all the rules and, and see how it goes. And yes, maybe Professor Killeen thinks it's mad that the pubs are reopening. Maybe he does. There's others who agree with him that it's mad, but they're opening. And they have to be allowed to open and give it a go at least. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. I'm seeing a bit of uh, uh, spike in comments again. This was going on during the summer too. People saying, oh, close the off-licenses. Close all the off-licenses. That'll solve all the problems. That will turn us into a totalitarian regime, my friends, where you are punishing the many for the sins of the few. And if we want to start doing that, we're going to be in right trouble. But Tom says gatherings in houses are gone through the roof. If we shut off licences, this will decrease or finish house parties. And in a few weeks, the figures will go down and it will mean they were the culprits. On confirmation, Caulfield's kids should make their confirmations in the schools in their uniforms. There was a confirmation in cathedral at the weekend. The bishop gave a beautiful homily. There was no encouragement for these children to come to mass again. 
Caller says the style's unbelievable. They're dressed up to the nines like they're ready for a wedding. Something has to change. The caller feels there should be more encouragement to these children to come back to Mass and also is saying they should be making the confirmation in the school, in the school uniform. You could do that, couldn't you? That would solve the problem of needing churches and needing big churches to space families out. But then again, the style was always part of confirmation. It was always the thing. The style, particularly for the, for the girls. The boys just got a suit. But for the girls, the confirmation was a big, big thing. I know that some of the schools are doing it in uniform now. Did, 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 am I right in thinking, did the Douglas schools, did they do it in school uniform last week? I think, I think they did, actually. I think they did. Those who work and attend college in Dublin can still travel. So if they live in Cork and must travel, they could be bringing it down here. They could. Essential travel for education or work into and out of Dublin is still permitted. Uh, so they could be. They absolutely could. 1850-715-996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. As I said, coming up in a while, did you know John Kennedy? Have you a story about John Kennedy? Did John Kennedy do something for you that you'd like us to know about? Because he seems to have done a lot of things for a lot of people. Much of it silently. Much of it in a way that was purely his own. And he'd many, many more things in his life besides Cork City Football Club. And the number of things that John was involved in that I learned about over the weekend. He was even involved in something very kind that was done for me back a few years ago. I'll tell you about that in a a little while. uh, When we are paying tribute to the late John Kennedy on the show. But let's go back to the pubs. Adele is down at at Collins. uh, All set for this evening, Adele, but nervous, I imagine. Good morning. Hi, TJ. Uh, we're actually not opening this evening. We're going to wait until um, Wednesday. We're going to wait till Wednesday uh, to make sure that we've everything bang on. So uh, we're getting all the staff into the room. We're going to give them a good scrub and we've all of our partitions up and we're putting up all of the hand sanitizer just there now at the moment. So mm-hmm. we just want to make sure that we've, we've everything done properly before we open. So, so, so what kind of regulations have you had to abide by? Um, so we're going to buy by everything that um, the government has asked us to do. So we have our contact tracing in place. Um, we put up some partitions. We decided to kind of go with the old school kind of feel of the place. So there isn't too much perspective. It's more kind of wooden features that we've put in. Right. Um, and plenty of hand sanitizers around the place. And we've all the tables spaced out. So there's it'll be very safe for everybody. But it'll still have the, the, the call and charm. So, yeah. You'll um, have to do a time limit, won't you? We will, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think look that the rule is that if you're if you're two meters apart, that there's actually no time limit. So we have some tables that are two meters apart, and then the rest are one meter. So okay. it'll be a bit of a, a mix. It'll be a bit of a balancing act, to be honest. But uh, yeah. look, we've we've to bye bye by what we've been told to do, and we're just really excited to get back open and see everybody. So okay, and I'm sure people are really excited to get back get back in and meet you all. After this long time, Adele, well done and good luck to everybody at Collins and every other pub. 1850-715-996. Let's run a little poll for a while. Ten past ten. Let's run this for, for 20 minutes. The pubs are open as of today. The wet pubs are open as of today. Will you be going? Will you be going? And will, will you be going in the next week, shall we say? Between now and next Monday, will you visit a wet pub? Just to see what it's like. Will you be going? Pub yes if you will. Pub no if you won't. To 083 396 96 96. 
And is it Katie or Maureen? Which one of you are doing Twitter today? Will you pop it up on the Twitter as well? Do a Twitter poll as well, Maureen. Thanks. So pub, yes, if you're going to be visiting a wet pub in the next week, say. Pub, no, if you won't. And 0083 396 96 96. And we're running it on Twitter as well. We'll run it until perhaps 10 and see what kind of response we get. Michael O'Donovan put up a lovely video at the weekend, all set to go at the Castle Inn. Michael, good morning. Good morning. Place, how are you? Place looks great on the video, but very. one of the, the joys of the castle was being rammed up against some random teenager and trying not to spill your pint, but you could make a friend for life in there. That, unfortunately, has had to change. Yes, look, PJ, for the next couple of months, it's going to be changed. Um, from the video, if people have seen us, our capacity will be 32 people. Um, and all seaters at tables or stools at the tables. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be very different from what, look, we're a real traditional Irish bar. We call ourselves the country bar in the heart of the city. Uh, for the next number of months, it's going to be different. But we, look, we're given the opportunity to open this morning. Mm. We very much welcome it. And look, we'll see how it goes for the next, uh, for the next while. And hopefully, um, if we learn to live with this virus, um, look, maybe uh, the guidelines might change as we go along. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, we have the opportunity to open and we're very grateful to be given the opportunity to open. You're the local VFI man, of course. We've been talking to you a few times in that capacity over, over the last while. Like, cutting your capacity down to 32 and cutting other pubs down to, what, 28 or 40 or whatever, is it viable? Can you actually run a pub on those numbers? Well, it's going to be very difficult, PJ. You know, to pay, look, you'll be able to pay your, your day-to-day bills probably on it. Uh, hope, and look with our EWSS uh, part of our staff uh, the, pit, the the wages is subsidised but when it comes to the big bills like your rates, insurance it's going to be difficult, it's going to be very difficult and if you have to pay rent or a mortgage on top of that, but look we only learn this as we go along in the next couple of weeks mm. we were asked, all we asked up to now is to be given the opportunity to open uh, we have the opportunity now this morning to open and look we just have to wait and see and look I suppose after a week, two weeks we'll have a better understanding of how figures are working and how things are going mm. but for now all we can do is open and uh, hopefully to reassure the public that the pubs are a safe place to come to um, we've all invested very heavily in our pubs um, and like to make it safe for them to, 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 to do it and um, so it is, uh, it is good to be open this morning nervous but I suppose mm. looking forward to it as well yeah, the, the numbers aren't on your sides as of yesterday evening. That must make you a, dish, a, a small bit even more nervous. Oh, absolutely it does. Look, uh, 36 yesterday here in Cork. Of course, it's making us nervous. And look, it, unfortunately, it's outside of our control because we, <laughs> we're only opening in an hour's time at half past 10 um, in the coming hours. So look, uh, it's a concern. We've seen what's happened in Dublin. We'd dread if something like that was to happen here in Cork. But look, we can't control that PJ. We can only control what happens in our establishment. So uh, we have the guidelines to follow. We've all put in our, our work into our pubs and we're just looking forward to hopefully people coming in and supporting the pubs and, um, and take it from there as it goes. Well, Michael, I wish you well with it. I wish you every success, you and every other pub that's opening its doors today. Michael O'Donovan from Castle in in town. Look, there are those who say they should all be kept shut Professor Killeen, who I spoke to earlier on, being one of them. There are those who believe they should all be kept shut 
until such time as we can open them without any danger. That's never going to happen. Or at least it's not going to happen for a while until we get a vaccine or a treatment or something. So we have to kind of get them open and try to have a functioning economy and live alongside this thing and try to keep it controlled in some way. And as Neve said, Neve Lynch, the paediatrician, said that we can we have five things that we can do to control it. We can wash our hands, we can wear our mask, we can keep our distance, and we can count those we socialise with, and we can cut it down and plan your social gatherings and keep a count of the number of people that you associate with. You can also download the app and check in every day and make sure that everything's okay. We have to, if we do all the things we've been told to do and do them diligently, and you've no control over what somebody else does, you've control over what you do, then we'll hopefully be all right. It's my birthday tomorrow, says this WhatsApp message. I didn't go out for a pint often before COVID, but I will enjoy one tomorrow for sure. Hopefully, they get a dehumidifier in the pubs to, to dry them out. <laughs> oh God, you're bad. <laughs> Those who work in a ten college, yeah, we got that one. So, will you go to a pub in the next week? There many of them opening today, some of them Wednesday, some of them Thursday. Let's take between now and next Monday. Will you visit a wet pub? Will you visit a pub for something other than food? Will you visit a pub to just sit down and have a pint or two? Pub, yes, if you will. Pub, no, if you won't. Running that on text and on WhatsApp at 083 396 96 96. We're also popped it up on the Twitter at OpinionLine96. Waiting to hear from you. Question number 10. Finish this movie title Fear and Loathing. In Las Vegas. Laura, what's your full name? Laura Kennedy. And you're from? Glenville. You've won 2,000. No Oh, that's unbelievable. That's how you do it. Well I actually can't believe Laura. that. Hello. Hello. Your, your mummy has just won loads of loads money. Loads of money. What do you want? A daddy. Another winner. There you go. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. So we'll run that text poll for another yeah, 10 15 minutes or so. Will you be visiting a, a pub just for a drink, a wet pub, in the next week, shall we say? Pub, yes, if you will. Pub, no, if you won't. To 083 396 96 96. It's on Twitter as well, and the no's have it by some distance. And just looking at the screen here in front of me, a lot of the no's have it as well by some distance. So we'll keep it open for another 10 or 15 minutes. 1850 715 996. Now, I was sitting at home on Friday night um, with the Queen Bee watching a little bit of telly. Actually, can I recommend what I was watching? Um, it's been around a while. You'll find it on the box set, so you'll find it on the Sky Store, I think. It's called um, Mr. Selfridge, and it's uh, the story of Selfridge's shop in London and the guy who opened it. It's a great series, but we were catching up on a couple of episodes of it anyway. And I got a text from Ken Tobin uh, to tell me that the man who had drowned in East Cork that afternoon was none other than the great John Kennedy 
of Cork City Football Club. Now, he was a man, I put this on Facebook myself, didn't know him well. I only knew him to, to meet the odd time and to chat and to salute, but he was always smiling, he was always having fun, he was always involved, always busy, always doing something for the club, in running buses or making sure everyone was happy in the family enclosure or making the tea. If he had to make the tea at halftime, he'd make the tea and he'd be in there with another dear departed friend of mine, Noel Feeney, and he was a real stalwart of the club for many, many a long day. But there was much more to John Kennedy than just that. And the outpouring of grief and support for his family over the weekend was phenomenal. And I tweeted on Saturday evening that we would be doing a little tribute to him here on this morning. And we got a huge response to that and a lot of people wanting to listen and to take part. We got a statement from John's daughter, Grace, uh, which says, To the people of Cork and beyond, We would like to express our sincere gratitude for all the kind words, posts, pictures and stories that everybody's posting of Dad. It brings a smile to my face through all the heartache to see how loved and respected Dad was. We will forever be proud to call him Dad and if we ever become half the man he was, we'd be honoured and blessed. Dad is on his last away trip and I know it'll be full of laughter, joy, city chants and no doubt a box of sweets. Shine bright in the sky, Dad. City till I die and beyond. That is from Grace, uh, John's daughter. Um, A great friend of his and a man who wrote a big, long poem about him when he marked 30 years' association with the club was... He's kind of the poet laureate of Cork City FC. Tony Tobin. Tony, good morning. Good morning, TJ. Thank you. My condolences (laughs) on the loss of your friend. I know you were very close. Yeah, like like hundreds of others, PJ, John was a friend to like thousands of people, you know. He was um, a kind soul and a, a very, very, uh, very, very nice man, PJ, and I was, I was proud to call him my friend, you know. Tell me about and, him. Tell me a bit about him. First, PJ, I'd just like to send my sincere condolences to, to Chris, his wife, and Aaron, and Grace, his, uh, his children. Now, PJ... The one thing I, I always loved about John was when he set up the family enclosure on Turner's Cross. I always said it was the most important part of the ground. You know, we love the sheddies now and all these guys and they're cheering on the team. But John's, where he had, like, parents could bring their kids, you know, and there was no bad language. And I was in there myself with my own grandchildren one time and he'd give the kids, like, flags and drums and you'd be very involved, you know. And it was an absolutely fantastic atmosphere in there. And uh, I always admired him for that. And even then, he'd bring kids, like, from, we say... Killarney or Tipperary, all around Cork, County Cork, to play on the pitch at halftime and to see the giant, those kids' faces. It was, I used to kind of look forward to that even more than the matches sometimes, you know, to see the children on the pitch. It was just a fantastic sight. And that was down to John. He embedded our club in the community. And wherever you went, Cork City's name was very good, you know. And you now there's, there's a lot of other people involved, obviously, but John Kennedy, I obviously, like, as a a friend of mine there, Darren O'Keefe in our club as well, he said, like, John Kennedy was the glue that kept uh, the club together, and I thought that was, like, tough for John, you know. Tell me about the JFK Express. The bus, getting the bus to the away game, John was knee-deep in that. He was. He he ran the buses, PJ, and every single, imagine every single away game, and you could be going from Cork to Derry to Finn Harp, something, Donegal, no matter where they went, 
John, he went to every single away game like that. He ran the buses, and I know for a fact, right, there's, like, another thing about John, everybody was welcome. Didn't matter what your social status was, there was a place in um, <clears throat> on John's bus, you know, and I often said to John, like, you know, so how would they afford everything? He says, look, Tony, whether they had money or not, they're welcome on my bus, and he'd actually look after people that way, you know. He, and he'd never, he'd never, like, be telling people about these kind of things. He was just brilliant that way, PJ, you know. Yeah. 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 A lot of people were saying at the weekend that what might be a lovely gesture would be to call the family ex- uh, enclosure, the John Kennedy family enclosure. Definitely, yeah. There was a you know, you know, probably know Damien Sheen in there, and he's arrived in our club as well, yeah. And he, I saw him saying this on, um, on Twitter, you know, and it was a thought in my own head as well. That end of the Donny Ford stand, maybe now they mightn't name the whole stand, but it, they probably should by right. But anyway, Donny Ford deserves it as well. But even that part of the family enclosure should definitely, that John's name should be up in that stand, you know. The amount of people he brought into Turner's Cross and, um, and always said that the future of the club was secured because he was bringing all the children and their parents. And when those kids grow up, they'll come and they'll bring their children and definitely for the work that that John done for our club, his name should be up in that stand, the John F. Kennedy family enclosure, and 100% this should happen. But forget, of course, he was JFK. He was John John F. Kennedy, isn't he? <laughs> he, was, he was, and I even put that into the poem I wrote about him. He's like, do you remember John F. Kennedy's always asked that what you can do for your country, boy, right. you know? And John was the same. He just done everything for the club. And outside of the club, PJ, as you know, he's involved with um, Faroiga and uh, Ogre Cockey. And even the other day on your um, show as well, he was talking about he was doing pension runs for pensioners down in man during COVID, you know? And that he'd go back and he thought, I honestly can't figure out where the man got the time. He was just a brilliant, brilliant person. He was always on the go. You'd think there was three of him. Alan? You'd think there was three of him sometimes. PJ, if there was uh, ten men, wouldn't do his the, the work that he does, you know. And even his own, you know, the, he has a crew there in the family enclosure. Patsy's now mm. Damien, mm. uh, Damien Hayes, and fellas like that. Uh, there's Tony and Chris Seymour and Stephen Malley. You know, Stephen Malley who plays the trumpet. Yes. Michael Donovan. All those guys. When you hear them talk to one another, they always refer to him as boss, you know. And it, it's always struck me. To, it reminded me of, you know, like you hear, like even Manchester United players there who respected Alex Ferguson, and they'd always call him boss. Even if they meet him today, they'd say the boss, the boss. That's the way they they spoke about John, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was a lovely touch. Like. Right. Yeah, he, was a, he was a leader, like uh, PJ, a leader of men and women, and did follow him. You know, he he was just a brilliant, brilliant man. Okay, and he was a friend to you, and I know that um, you were very upset at the weekend. That's Tony Tobin, of course, brother of our own Ken, another Cork City stalwart. And just the first verse of the poem he wrote about John. The man has been volunteering 30 years for his team. John Kennedy is his name from the town of Skibbereen. His club, his team is Cork City FC, from being vice chairman to making the tea. He has time for everyone. No one's left out. Family, community is what he's about. There's another JFK from Boston Town he came. Our John shares his values, not just his name. Instead of waffling on like someone down the pub, he asked himself the question, what can I do for my club? That Just a first verse of a poem written by uh, Tony Tobin. Our own Fiona Corcoran met uh, John Kennedy during the Frontline Diaries series. When she was making the Frontline Diaries, 
during the pandemic. She met John Kennedy and I'll catch up with her next. Also, many other people who want to talk about this guy who is an absolute stalwart of Cork City Football Club. That's next. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Day of the Straws is an evocative digital work created by the artist Mary Brett in collaboration with the writer Katie Holly. There's a special screening of it at Sirius Arts Centre on Culture Night Friday 18th of September from 5 to 7pm and it's available the following day on the Sirius YouTube channel. Access all areas. Songwriter and producer Gemma Dunleavy may have captured your attention through her previous collaborations with Marley and Swing Thing, but the Dubliner has been busy making a name for herself with her debut EP, Up the Flats. Gemma comes to Cork to play a show at the Kino on Washington Street on Saturday, September 25th. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Culture Night Cork City. Connect through culture for one day only on Friday, September 18th. See culturenightcork.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. So let's go to uh, Fiona Corcoran who met John while she was doing the Frontline Diaries. Had you ever met him before, Fiona? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. No, I hadn't. Um, I had never met him before. And the reason why I met him was because... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. As I was doing a feature on an initiative that Cork City Council had launched during the COVID-19 lockdown, and it was a community response forum where council staff and volunteers would go out into various different Uh, communities around the city um, and they would help people who were vulnerable particularly those who were cocooning and the contact that I had in Cork City Council who set it up for me Sandra O'Mara brought me out to the Mahan community project and I met John Kennedy there and that was the first time I met him and I spoke to him about the work that he had been doing since the lockdown had started and he talked to me about visiting the elderly people who were cocooning 
dying or the sick people and you know he'd go out every day and get them their groceries or get them prescriptions or whatever it was they needed and rather than just you know come up to the house and drop the groceries at the door and walk off he actually stopped and talked talked to the people because he said to me that you know that communication between people is so important and that's the biggest thing that was taken away from people during the lockdown and he also told me as well that he um you know people who may have loved ones in graves he'd go to the graveyard and he'd check to make sure that the grave was fine and he'd take a photograph of it just to bring it back to them or if they had like a message that they wanted to bring he'd he'd bring it to the grave as well and I, I was really struck by him um you know everybody that i spoke to during the frontline diaries was absolutely amazing in the work that they were doing but John was somebody who wasn't getting anything out of this. You know, he wasn't getting paid for it. It was all voluntary and he was risking his own health every day to just go out. And as he said himself, just to, to have that bit of communication with the external world and, you know, talk to them about what was happening, talk to them about football matches, talk to them about anything. Um, and it, it really, like, I, I think it just kind of sums up what all the tributes paid to him over the weekend um, showed that he was a man who just really was giving of his time, mm. really cared for other people, and uh, very so humble. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, really, really humble. You know, didn't want to take any praise for any of the work that he was doing. It was just something that he wanted to do, and he was just—he just came across as being such a lovely man. And you know, it, it, I saw on Friday night I was reading through Twitter and all the tributes, and it was only when I saw somebody had posted a photograph of him and his name. And I, I said, God, he looks really familiar. And mm. then I realised that it was him. And, um, you know, I can only imagine the heartbreak that people are feeling that, that knew him because he seemed to be just somebody who really touched so many people right yeah. across the city and county. And I know that you guys got a statement from his family and I yes. just want to say, you know, pass on my regards and condolences to them at this time as well. Yeah, you sent us the, the, the interview that you did with him for mm. for the... Frontline Diary, which I'm going to play now. It's the full version. I just made a couple of minutes of it, Fiona. This was this was John Kennedy, uh, not the soccer man. This was John Kennedy, the community man. Fiona, thank you very much. I suppose I was asked as a, as a local resident and I suppose as an employee of Froygut uh, to get involved with the community response, and I was delighted to do so because I would be involved in the community for a long time. Um, I primarily do some shopping for some elderly and some pension runs. Um, then when you do the pension, you get to obviously call to the house, social distance. But when you when you come back after, you get to stand and talk for half an hour, 40 minutes. And it, I think it makes a huge difference to, to people. Um, well, to, to, to the elderly people, rather than kind of coming back to the house and say, here's your money and best look and I'll see you in two weeks time. It's kind of just spend a little bit of time um, because obviously these are people that are cocooning. Some of them actually don't have family in the area. And it's it's good to just spend a little time and just, you know, share a conversation with them. Yeah, what, like, I mean, what's their reaction like when you do that, when you stand there and, and chat to them and, you know, give them that interaction that they're, they're missing on a day-to-day basis? Oh, like they come across as obviously being grateful and I suppose that's not that's not the reason why I'm doing it but it's 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 that social interaction that we're all used to having neighbours and family and friends and being able to go out to the shop and go out to the post office and do stuff and suddenly we have people for the last two months plus that have been inside in their own homes and basically getting as far as the front gate, not seeing that many people um, and just being able to stop and kind of say how's it going and 
you know, uh, learn stuff from uh, football matches from wherever or, you know, family living in England or wherever they are. So it's just sharing that moment. And it brings, I think, a, a, a bit of spark to the face and smile and a good conversation, you know. So. Yeah, no, I love doing it because I suppose I'm, I, I, I love meeting people. I mean, I, I do youth and community for the last over 30 years, so I'm constantly meeting people. Um, and I think it's important, and that's one of the fears I have, is that because we do social distancing and because we, when we walk, we stay away from one another, well, we actually are beginning to stop saying hello as well. And I think it's important that we just continue to stay connected. Even, even at a distance, we need to stay connected, and we need to share a moment with people. Actually, isn't it? And it is so true. It's like, you know, the further we are apart from each other, and I know, like, that it, there was a whole novelty around it at the start, but there are, there are people who are nearly afraid to talk to you and to contact something. There, there are. Obviously, you, when you're walking down the footpath and people move to the side or move onto the road, you understand that, but I still think it's possible to say thanks or, or good evening or, you know, just to, you don't have to stop and have a conversation. Or, and I think... In the past, we probably would have stopped and had a few words with one another, but and hopefully, when this is all over, we'll get back and we'll be like it was, whatever the new normal be. Well, sadly, he won't see that now, but uh, that's the late great John Kennedy talking to our Fiona Corcoran in Mahan during the course of the Frontline Diaries. There were many more sides to him than Cork City FC and with the volunteer work in Mahan, but he was also involved in Faroiga for many, many years, and that's where you met him, Alex. Good morning. Good morning. Um, apologies for my shaky voice. Okay. I <laughs> listening to him speak there. Um, I still and all of us in his Farika family um, are still reeling, um, like everybody else, uh, with the news uh, that we got on Friday. Um, yeah, John joined Ogre Kirky before we were we were Farika. We were Ogre Kirky. A lot of people will recognise um, that name. It was a, a, a youth organisation. Mm. And John, in 1988, joined Ogre as a youth worker in Farnry. And John gave me my very first job in Farnry um, as a youth worker in 2008. And for the last 12 years, 10 of those years, he's been my line manager. So he has been right by my side, <clears throat> supporting me and teaching me, you know, my my job. You said um, in a tweet at the weekend, Alex, you're not so sure you'll know how to do your job now. No, absolutely not. Um, and when I was listening to his voice there, I thought, oh my goodness. Um, you know, John, gosh, everyone that has spoken about John, you know, every, absolutely everything they say is so true. You know, when, when Fiona was, you know, when you were saying he wouldn't just drop the groceries off. That's not John at all. John, like he said himself, will stand and talk. Um, John was was a friend um, uh, before my manager, even though sometimes, you know, <laughs> he'd absolutely have to manage me. Um, but he was a friend first. And, and, and I know that I speak for everybody that he managed in Faroiga. And, and in fact, everyone in Faroiga, when I say that, he had this incredible ability to make you feel like you were his favourite. You know, like when you sat in his presence, he was so invested in your growth of character and growth in your job and the unbelievable cheerleading that he would give, but also his death and, and 
I want to say this. Um, we work with young people and as you know, child protection is a massive part of what we do. Yeah. And John Kennedy was a child protection guru. There wasn't anything he did not know about keeping kids safe in line with the law. Um, and that was part of his job. That's, that's a side of him I wouldn't have thought about, Alex. He's unbelievable. He was so um, emotionally intelligent, but his his knowledge, PJ, you know, so... so if we ever had, you know, which which was is often when you're working with young people, it is. We'd often ring, and I, you know, we used to call it covering your own ass phone calls. You know, I'd be like, I totally know what to do, but I'm just covering my own ass. Um, and I would say, here's the situation, and he would always know what best practice was. Um, I I will never meet somebody somebody like that. His wealth of of knowledge, and I think moving forward for me. I know I'm going to pick that phone up for the near future, for this foreseeable future. Every time I think, oh, you know what, I need to, I need to check this with John. And, you know, I was listening to Tony in the beginning talk about him bringing young people. Like he used to bring, my son is 19 now, but when my son was small, younger, he'd include him on the buses, you know, um, the Cork City buses. Like he, he didn't just want to know about your job. And that was his role in Feroiga. He also wanted to know, more actually, he wanted to know about you as a person. He knew absolutely everything about our lives, you know, um, and was incredibly involved in all aspects of, of my life. Um, he, he, the whole that he is leaving for young people, for staff, for, you know, the managers in Feroiga, the there were four of them. Sadly, now there's only two. Um, but they're like, we used to call them the four musketeers. Um, you know, they've been together since Oberkirchie. The, the, the loss is palpable for people yeah. who, in the organization that have worked with John for 25, 30 years. I mean, it's astounding. Um, it's just astounding the, 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 the man that he was and the hundreds of lives that he has touched yeah, and the, the legacy um, he leaves is oh, much bigger than just the football club and you oh, realise that when, yeah. yeah and I think so and and you know look you know his first love was Chris Aaron and Grace you know he would speak so proudly about um, his family um, because we would share that that's the kind of manager he was and um, and then Cork City FC I mean I was thinking this morning in my whole time, in the 12 years I've known John Kennedy, I don't think he ever showed up without a Cork City FC t-shirt or jumper or something on him. He had all of the merchandise. Yeah. But as his piece there that Fiona did, his community work and his youth work um, is just was second to none. And um, like I am absolutely the professional... Um, worker that I am today because he took a chance on me um, in 2008. I wouldn't have stayed with it. There were a couple of points in my career where I would have left because it was too hard. Um, And he just said, no, 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 no. Stay. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. You're good. You know, you're good at your job. I believe in you. Stay a little while longer. And 
And when John Kennedy said that to you, you stayed a little while longer because you know he really meant it. He wasn't just saying it, you know, for the sake of it. Alex, lovely words and well spoken. And thank you very thank much. Thank you so much for having me on. My condolences for the loss of your friend and your boss and your manager um, of many, many years. That's Alex. 1850 I'm going to break this here. And I apologise because I've booked my next contributor in over the weekend and we have to take him at this particular time. But I will come back to John Kennedy. And if you have anything you'd like to say or any story you'd like to tell us or anything you'd like to point out that we're missing about John Kennedy, uh, then we'd love to hear from you at 1850-715-996. But you will remember that on Friday morning we were discussing <coughs> Carrig Tool Schools on the basis of a news story that had run the previous day and was running that morning, that the Department of Education's project management team was delaying or had been delaying the tendering process for the Carry Tool Schools until early 2021, even though the previous government, the Fine Gael Labour or the Fine Gael Independent government, had put plans in place to have it go to tender at the end of this year. It has now been put back to tender or will go to tender in the early part of 2021. And we were trying to get an explanation for that. And I spoke to uh, Fianna Fáil TD James O'Connor from Cork East, who'd gotten into a bit of a spat on social media with Labour TD Sean Sherlock. Let's have a listen back to what Deputy O'Connor was telling me on, uh, on Friday morning. PJ, I spoke yesterday with the Minister for Education on three separate occasions about this project. I met with her in July. I explained about all of the very serious delays that have been put in place because of, of mistakes that were made by the department in two previous governments. I have to defend Norma on this one because she's been absolutely excellent in terms of keeping in contact with us and all of our correspondence that's been going in. I know that I'm not the only deputy that's keeping in touch, but what I have a problem with here is that there was an attempt yesterday to stir a degree of controversy from a, a, a Labour TD. Well, hold so on, no, we, we've, we've asked Deputy Sherlock to speak with us and unfortunately not available this morning, but I will talk to him Monday. But, and, you know, rather than having a, a spat on social media, the simple fact is that your minister is the minister now, admittedly, and is not responsible for the decisions of the previous minister. But the decisions of her predecessor was, or the department run by her predecessor, was that this tender process would go out at the end of 2020. Now it goes into 2021, and she has no explanation for that. Well, I, I, as I said, PJ, I will seek clarification and I will send that correspondence to you down immediately if you would like that. We will try and get that for you now. The question is framed in such a simple way. Because I'll put it word for word what you said, PJ, to the Minister for Education. But I want to be absolutely clear here. I got a commitment from Norma that she was going to do everything she could possibly do to ensure that this project was going to get underway as soon as possible when, I, when, when, when we went into government just a few short weeks ago. I have gotten that from Norma. She's been engaging with me on a regular but, basis. But you were a TD since the 9th or 10th of February after the election for Cork, for Cork East. So you surely knew that there was a previous commitment to tender this before the end of the year. If you didn't... Of course, we all were quite aware that that was the situation, and that was prior to COVID. Sean Sherlock, good morning. Good morning, PJ. People in Carrie Tool are getting very angry that this school is a political football. Yeah, I, I don't blame them, and I, I'm, I'm not sure where Deputy O'Connor is coming from here, because I think all I did really last week was I, I put on a parliamentary question to the minister, and last Wednesday... 
the minister answered me directly by saying that uh, they were going to tender for this in quarter one of 2021. And I merely expressed my you know, disappointment at that because we had a previous commitment uh, dating back to January of 2019, where we, in fairness, the parents and the local TDs, myself, uh, Deputy O'Keefe at the time, uh, Deputy Stanton, and I think Deputy Buckley was there as well, where, you know, there was a commitment given that this would be tendered in Q4, quarter four, uh, 2020. So there is a delay. We don't have an explanation for the delay. I don't think COVID could be used justifiably as an excuse for the delay. One of the reasons that Deputy O'Connor was saying on Friday, or what he was guessing at, I think, was that, look, every element of the Department of Education was focused at the moment on getting the schools back up and running safely in in the context of COVID-19. And perhaps that might have been partly to blame. Do you you buy that one? I I, I can accept that if if that is the factual case. I'm not sure... We don't know if that is the factual case and we have to deal with facts. I mean, it, it's absolutely true to say that other state entities and state organisations have been tendering during you know, the height of the lockdown and during the COVID crisis. So they had continued to tender for projects and I see no reason why when we're talking about education, particularly when we, what we've witnessed over the last month or so with you know, the lack of school bus places, uh, you know, the, the need for additional accommodation, the social distancing issues, why this wouldn't have been seen as a priority internally within the department. I think the key point here, though, is that, you know, I, I have a record of delivery, you know, of schools throughout the Cork region. And I did, you know, we have that record of delivery because we work collaboratively. I mean, myself, Deputy Kevin O'Keefe, formerly, mm. you know, Deputy Stanton, Deputy Buckley, because we leave our egos outside the door, PJ. And when it comes to children and young adults and parents who want kids, places for their kids, we, I received my writing instructions from the people of Carrick Tool. And, you know, so I'm not going to get involved yeah. in a kind of a, 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 an online war or anything like that with Deputy O'Connor. I've no, I just don't have the time for that. But uh, we, we, what, we do need to get an explanation, though, to, as, as to the delay. Will that be pursued I, I, this week in the Dáil? Absolutely. But the, the key point here, though, is timelines. What are the timelines? We need timelines because the fear I have now, we need definitive timelines because the fear I have now is that any delay in the tender process could have the knock-on effect whereby, given the growth in numbers, and we, I witnessed this last September, where you know there was countless numbers of parents who were contacting my office in respect to the fact that they had no places for their children. We can't countenance in September 2021 the idea that you know, there are children, and I mean young children, who will not have places. And then it has the knock-on effect of saying, well, now we have to drive more additional accommodation into the site of Carrick, in Carrick Tool, and that has a knock-on effect because it means then that the quality of life for those students who are already existing, uh, you know, gets is worsened. So can I just say this, PJ, very briefly, on, on, a, on a sad day for Cork, for, you know, for... for John Kennedy and, and our hearts go out to his family and, and the people of Cork City today because I think today is maybe about remembering, you know, great, great volunteers like John. I just want to say that, you know, we just need to leave our egos outside the door on issues like this. I have a, I can stand on my own record, Kilcreden, you know, Middleton, Educate okay. Together Schools, you know, for my Saline, you know, I, I have a record of delivery of schools in East Cork at the worst of times. And I think what, there are two schools now that are outstanding. One where there was a fire in July of 2016. And whether you like it or not, I mean, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael were 
propping each other up, right? And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. And four years down the line, we still don't have a scoot for the academy. You mean and in confidence, similar, right. but there's a bit of political similar, football kicking there now there as well, Sean. No, so. no, no, I'm being genuine. Please, sorry, well, forgive me. I, I am being genuine. When you're, like, we have opposition, we have government. When you're in government, as I was in government, when I used to go on your show, the odd time I went on when I was in government, I was accountable. That's the whole principle of being in government is that you're accountable to the people and for your actions. On, I can stand over my record in relation to delivery of schools and you only have to witness the number of schools that have been, but I did so collaboratively. I'm not claiming the credit for that because, because I worked with David Stanton, I worked with Kevin O'Keefe and I worked with Pat Buckley. On this one, what we need is we need this to be fast-tracked. What I called for in the doll last week is for Minister Norma Foley, who is a decent person and has a relationship with the people, knows the and ground. has a relationship with the people of Carrigtool, is for the, the minister to take the leadership, to work with the local authority, to work with the third-party developer, to work with the educational and training board to ensure that she takes the leadership on it so that they can work through the issues. Because we've had planning since July. There were issues down the previously in relation to patronage who'd go on the site and all of that. What we need now is a clear solution and I will work with any TD in my constituency. And to maybe explain as well why it went from quarter four of 2020 to quarter one of 2021, a clear written explanation. Sean, thank you very much. That's Sean Sherlock, Labour TD for Cork East. That explanation uh, clearly was promised to us by James O'Connor when he spoke to me on Friday. Uh, We haven't yet got it. He said he would take my question back to the Minister for Education, uh, exactly as I had put it to him. Why was this delay? Why did this delay happen? Can you tell us why? No, don't just tell us it's going to tender in 2021. There was a tender to go out in 2020. Why didn't it clearly and plainly? Please, we still haven't gotten that. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. 1857-15996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Twitter is at OpinionLine96. Of course, our hashtag is hashtag OL96. And it's the Corks 96FM Facebook page. You can contact us there. Send a message, but please do, if you can, mark it for the attention of the Opinion Line, and we shall pick it up. We'll be back to the tributes to John Kennedy, which I can tell you are just flooding in on all various platforms. Kevin says, listening to these tributes, this on Twitter, it got me thinking, this is nice actually, tell that important person at work or in your life how grateful you are that they're there. John sounds like a fantastic, genuine person. And there's pages more like that, to which I will return in the fullness of time. But my next guest has one of the best-known faces in Irish sport and particularly in Irish sports broadcasting but she's written a book about Irish sports women featuring the likes of Katie Taylor and Olive Lochnan and Dervil O'Rourke and Rena Buckley and Bridge Corkery a lot of Cork names in there Sanita Puspure who I think lives in Ballincollig but it's a, it's a, a book about great Irish sports women inspiring stories and it's written by Jackie Hurley Jackie good morning to you Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. I'm delighted to talk to you. What was the inspiration? It's a children's book. I'll get to that in a minute. But what's the- what was the inspiration for it? I suppose in a way, PJ, I always wanted to do something like this because there wasn't a book like this. Like, sometimes people say, don't you invent something that you wish you had? And that's the way I feel about this book. I wish that I had a book about Sonia O'Sullivan when I was a kid, for instance, you know. And I suppose I just wanted to be able to give 
kids an idea of what their favourite sports people were like as kids. And, and th- that was really the idea behind it. The title Girls Play 2, where did that come from? Well, I suppose we always see that, like, one thing I suppose that I wanted to kind of change about this misconception out there is that girls don't play sport or that girls aren't interested in sport. So really just the, the title Girls Play 2 was just about reminding people that girls can play just as much sport as boys can. And thankfully, like, things like this book will prove that there are so many brilliant role models out there as well that are female sporting role models. And look, this is not about trying to make it that girls are better than boys or anything like that at all. It's really just showing people that girls can play as well. It's, it's really a, a very, very simple message. And the reason why it's a children's book rather than an adult's book is I do genuinely think if you're going to change perceptions and you're going to change the future about the way we do things, I do really believe that the next generation are going to be the key decision makers. So why not speak to them instead? Young girls are very sporty, but they tend to, an awful lot of them tend to give it up then when they get a little bit older. That's an ongoing thing. Like you can have loads of girls boxing, but you'll only get one or two that'll go forward to, to the levels like, like Katie Taylor or Kelly, or, or Kelly Harrington. A lot mm. of them give it up. Do you address that at all? Why do they give it up? Yeah, and that's one of the key things with this, PJ, right? Because I think that there was always a team for the elite. So, like, even if you think back to, let's say, when I was in school... There was always the A team, but it was the problem with the people who might have wanted to play on the B team, who might have just wanted to play socially. Those teams, in my experience, were the harder ones to keep girls active. Because you find with a lot of boys, like how many lads in their 20s still play five-a-side soccer or kick around playing junior B just because they enjoy playing sport? They don't have to play inter-county, but they still get enjoyment out of it. Whereas what I saw with young girls is that after the, the really competitive people got their place on the team, it was harder for some girls to stay with it. So really with this book, like what I'm trying to do is just show girls that you can be really interested in sport at under 14 level and you don't have to be the best in the class. But if you do want to be the best athlete in Ireland, if you train hard enough, maybe you can do something later in life. But it doesn't have to be sport. It's just about showing girls that there are role models. This happens to be a sports book, but that there are role models that you can be anything you want to be if you just put your mind to it. So to, to answer your question about the sport thing, I do think that is a deeply rooted issue that we need to do something about. But part of it is just about showing girls the options and showing boys the options too. Mm. I'd forgotten your own sports background, actually, Jackie. I knew you played basketball, but I'd forgotten about the camogie. Yeah, I suppose, like, I was lucky that I went to a school in the convent in Bandon that was a really prominent camogie school and a really prominent basketball school. And thankfully, with both of them, we got great opportunities and managed to go and get to play for Cork and play basketball for the Irish team. And, like, they're my favourite memories. Like, really, sport in my house was always equal. Boys and girls got to do as much as they wanted. And, again, a lot of it does come down to where you go to school and what your teachers are into as well. But I think now when you look at the landscape in Ireland, like, there's horse riding, horse riding, there's tennis, there's swimming, there's hockey, you know, the multitude of sports out there that you can play is phenomenal. Yeah, it's, a, it's an intriguing idea, a great idea, and I think the kids will love it, and I think even, even the adults will read it, um, because it's, it's some great names in there, some great stories of great people that we've all can say, oh yeah, 
and a very heavy Cork contingent. Is that yeah. sort of... Yeah, that was important now, PJ. You know, yeah, you have to keep Cork people happy. And in fairness, Cork people, we have we do sport well. I yeah. think everybody can accept that. And like you mentioned, even Sunita obviously is not born in Cork, but we would consider her a Cork woman. Oh, and would. Olive Lachnan has oh, been we'll. living in Cork so long that we'd claim her too, you we know? Would. We would. We'd claim, we'd claim them all. Claim them we all will. if we can. We will. <laughs> Listen, good luck with it, Jackie. And, and, and uh, thanks for taking our call today. That's Jackie Hurley, uh, broadcaster and author of the new book called Girls Play Too. It's for the kids. But trust me, the adults will read it. 1850-715-996. John was a great man, says this message. I'm devastated. Uh, Paula, John Kennedy made everyone feel special. When the new kid went to Turner's Cross and sat in the family enclosure for the first time, he was made to be a hero of the club. He had amazing presence condolences to his family and friends. We should honour people like John and his kind while they're living. He'll be a great loss to everyone. There's many more in Cork City and County that would be heartbroken. Ashling, he was a gent. Uh, all that is good about Cork was personified in John Kennedy. My mother rang me yesterday actually to remind me of something that John Kennedy was involved in that close to me. Uh, back in 2009 when we had a devastating flood in Cork City in November of 2009. We had water out and we had just all sorts of upscuttlement of the city for a week, a week and a half. And afterwards, uh, a very kind gesture by the Community Association in Mahan, I was invited to um, be presented afterwards with a little piece of crystal as a thank you for my coverage and the newsroom's coverage of the flood crisis and it was I think Dennis Coffey was the gaffer at the Community Association at the time but my mum rang to remind me that it was in fact John Kennedy was heavily involved in that little ceremony as well so he did come into my life I'd completely forgotten and I'm sorry that I did 1850-715-996 more on John Kennedy coming Mike the Ginger Farmer, spell Samurai. Oh, let me serious. Samurai. S-A-M-O-R. Oh, yeah? He spells Samurai the way a farmer would say it. Are you a Samurai? Samurai. I've been awful close to Samurai. You need to put that title roll in the, in the freezer. <laughs> People like you, I were evaded by the English. <laughs> You were staring at the sunset going, does it go down or do we go up? DC and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. We ran a little text poll earlier on about the pubs, whether or not you would go to a wet pub in the next week. And I forgot to give you the result when we squashed everything down. The no's have it. A lot of people will not go to a wet pub. About two thirds will not go to a wet pub in the next week or so at least. 1850-715-996. Let's get back to the stories about the late John Kennedy.
just heard some news that's broken my heart of the death of a man who was every part of the club we both loved from the very start. He was City's own JFK. He was City's own JFK. He'll be missed in the cross on match day. But he'll always be with us from the great beyond. City's own JFK. Little ditty penned over the weekend by Terry Lingwood uh, about John Kennedy. Wyon Stansfield just served on the board of the club with him. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Yeah, I wish we were talking about something happier, but um, yeah, I served four years with John. I mean, I've known him since I, I, I mean, I'm a relatively new city supporter and he was the first person that I had any, you know, sort of interaction with because obviously I, like many, um, my first meeting in city was to go to the family enclosure and John was the, John was the family enclosure in those days. I mean, you know, he, he was the life and the soul of the party, literally. For a man who didn't drink, um, he seemed to be everywhere at once. Mm. I mean, the, the amount of, I mean, now people have spoken about it already, but the amount of stuff he did behind the scenes that people will never know, even just with regard to City. Mm. You know, board discussions that you find that oh, he sorted out something for someone somewhere and you know, not with any interest in getting any thanks for it or any kudos. Yeah. I mean, he'd probably be horrified at the amount of um, current kudos he's getting for yeah. not being here. But, you know, he, he was just, I mean, he was a lovely man. I mean, he was just a genuinely... Nice fella to be around. Nice fella. You, you know, always positive. I mean, um, there's a few of us have a have a discussion every once in a while about City and John would be our moderator <laughs> to contain us. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, probably um, probably had forgotten more about the club than the rest of you put together would ever know. I would think so, you know. Um, but he was just, yeah, he was just a genuinely lovely man. I mean, I know Tony said he, he, he'd swear there was two of them. I, I swear he had put special permission from the man above to give him an extra five hours a day at least. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how he squeezed it all in. I mean, he did have a love of churches, I have to say. There's literally no European away trip that he did not visit one <laughs> and photograph it yeah, and share it with all of us. The photographs have started to come out. I, Scott, I mean, we have so, like, I, I have to go back through my computer and try and find some more because I mean, there are so many just great, fun photographs of John on away trips and, yeah. you know, for a man who didn't, who didn't um, touch a drink, um, he could party with the best of us. Yeah. You know, he, he just, I, I really, I, I, I kind of it, it's kind of being it's lost for words you just can't there was a buzz starting on social media over the weekend and I know it's probably not as simple as just doing it but to maybe name the family enclosure the John Kennedy enclosure I, I think that would be an absolutely you know perfect gesture you know it was his it was his baby he, he made it what it is yeah tell me the history of it because yeah. was it he started it or did he just I, as far as I know I mean I wouldn't be I know it existed before I came in before I came into the club and I, I'm pretty sure that he was the, he was certainly the driving force I think there was a bit of an idea but I think he was the driving force behind it and in all the time I was in the club until until he gave up the reins to Pat Sisk he was he was the driving force and you know, there were two sections of the ground that you hear a lot of noise from. One is the shed end, and the other one is the family enclosure. You two know, different um, kinds of noise. <laughs> <laughs> two different kinds of noise, yeah, yeah. I mean, being near the family enclosure could be quite painful sometimes. 
<laughs> given the noise. But, um, yeah. but you know, it was it was fantastic. And like my youngest son, that was his first. That was his first um, visit to, to Turner's Cross. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it, and it stays with you. And John stays with you. He, he's just. I, I, as I say, I find it very hard to kind of put... It'll be very hard in these pandemic it. times, Wyon, won't it, to pay a proper tribute to the man? I think so, because, I mean, I think, like, this would have been an absolutely staggeringly enormous funeral because of the number of people out there. You know, I mean, his, his reign extends down to, you know, West Cork, Kerry, you know, everywhere. There's, there's nobody, I mean, there's nobody involved with the club who hasn't heard him or doesn't at least, you know, recognise him from, from greeting them on the way in or waving goodbye to them or standing up, you know, getting the crowd to start going, you know, there's literally, I mean, Starting he must be, seriously, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he must be literally the best known person involved yeah. with the club. And I think he was so, you know, to be on the board for him was such a privilege and an honour and, and he added such an amount of experience and knowledge to, to the board. He, the he, brought he, the, he brought the ethos of the community family following oh, of the club totally. into the boardroom and that was that was magic. He did, totally, totally. I mean, he was so, so you know, all-inclusive. I mean, if ever there was a man for the word inclusivity was used could be used for, John was it. I mean, he was everybody. You know, every walk of life, every background, every... You know, I, I just, yeah, as I say, keep getting lost words. And I, and the only thing I would say is that I, I feel, while I feel sad for all of us, I feel sadder for Chris, Aaron and Grace, I mean, yeah. who have lost, you know, yeah. more than any of us. I just, you know, they, he literally, I mean, he literally was larger than life. I mean, yeah. I don't I, think you could I'll say read, I'll else. read the statement again that Grace sent in to us. I'll read it again before we finish this. Wyon, thank you very much. And I can tell you're, you're not a man who's lost for words on a frequent basis, but uh, you're struggling today because of the loss of your friend and your colleague. And uh, my condolences to you. Colin, you also wanted to talk about the late, great John Kennedy. Colin, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to offer my deepest sympathies to to Chris to Grace and to Aaron on the deep, deep loss. Um, I, I've i actually followed Cork City since 84, and we, we you know, we we plundered along. We, we kept on going, but um, Brian Lennox came in, and uh, Brian wanted to get more of a community, a family yes. a feel to the club. And the very man was there, John Kennedy, and John took the took the reins and and really soldiered on and made the family enclosure what it is today. You know, mm. Mm. Um, he was a fantastic man. Now I I served with him on the board, and we've had a we had our run-ins, and uh, well, it wouldn't be a board if he didn't. That's the exactly. idea. Of a, if a, every, exactly. the day the board all agree is a bad day. <laughs> Exactly, PJ, exactly. But John could be stubborn, he could be stubborn enough, but, I mean, there was no animosity in John. Yeah. You, you could have a run-in with John, and John would come back the following day, you'd see him, uh, and he'd give you the bear hug, you know? Yeah, yeah. There was... And uh, he'd say, you know, there was some points... What uh, happened at the meeting were... stayed at the meeting. Exactly, exactly. He, Oh, God, he, he was a great man, but... 
you mentioned a tribute. Uh, what sort of tribute could you have for such a man? Well, well, what was starting on um, social media over the weekend, I see that there are dozens of bunches of flowers now have been laid outside the, the ground uh, this morning. The, 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 the pile is just growing by the, by the half hour as we get photographs. That is certainly going on. But I think there's a, there seems to be a move on to name the family enclosure after him. I totally agree with that, PJ. But the I think the biggest tribute we could pay to this man is for more people to get involved with Cork City and drive Cork City back to the giant that it was. Because John is looking down from above, please God, and he that's what he is saying. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the biggest tribute we could do, do for John F.K. All right. OK. Colin, thank you very much for that. Uh, 1850-715-996 Our own Trevor Welsh uh, A Cork City fan All your life Trev And you would have known John well Good morning Morning Peach Yeah I would have known John well I I was shocked obviously Like everybody else When I heard the news on Friday Uh, Actually when I met him recently Peach a couple weeks ago When I was doing a press conference For one of the city matches In Bishopstown And uh, I think he was collecting something at At the stadium and he came over to the car and we had a good chat and uh, always smiling. He'd laid up a dark room, John Wood. And uh, he was missing the crowds of the matches, Peach. Um, missing getting in there with the fans and getting stuck in and beating the drum and uh, getting the atmosphere going. Uh, like, I mean, it was a spectacle to see what John was doing in, in the family enclosure with the fans. He, you know, got them going with a gusto. I think he was actually in competition, I said to a fellow, once, once upon a time with the shed, because we know the shed Ed is famous in Turner's Cross yeah. for the noise they generate. But I think John was trying to outdo him. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter who the opposition were, Dundalk, Waterford, Shelburne, it didn't matter. He uh, went with the same noise levels and the fans just loved being around him. He was infectious. And, um, you know, there's been stories told, Peach, since with young kids who were on the buses going to the games. Uh, John would wait off the bus to give them all a high five. And it made them spe- feel important going to matches, yeah. Peach, you know. He, he was known and universally liked the length and breadth of the League of Ireland. He was, and you know, it was great to see all the clubs tweeting during the week as well. Clubs in Dublin and, and Sligo and Galway and so on, you know, that, that they'd have met him at Turner's Cross in his role when he was on the board. He'd have been welcoming, uh, you know, people from those clubs to Turner's Cross, and uh, you know, they all remembered him because, uh, you know, it's hard to forget he's larger than life, and as I said, always smiling. But I, I think he represented the club very well, Peach, as well. You know, I'd have went to a lot of away matches covering games for ourselves, and you know, and um, he, I thought he always looked professional and he was a board member of the club. Uh, he looked the part and he was conscious he represented Cox City Football Club and he was very professional in all his dealings uh, that I had with him as well, you know. And I think, you know, it was mentioned ago that he should have been honoured when he was alive, but he, he was, like Cox City, to be fair, uh, honoured him for his 30-year service. Uh, his volunteer work was extraordinary. And as you mentioned, Arion PJ rightly as well, uh, you know, the likes of Noel Feeney, uh, himself in a well. I mean, what they did, the work they did on a voluntary level for so many years, it's, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable, really. And, and you know, he did his own job and how he fitted everything in. He, he did a bit for Black Rock Hurling and Football Club. Um, you know, he was involved in so much. It's amazing how much he fitted in. And I think as well, it, it's fitting, uh, Pete, you know, that he he was there and uh, on those magic days and the Eva when Cox City... We're at the peak in four cup finals, you know, to see him up there 
uh, getting his reward for all the service. And he's seen that success on those magic occasions. And when they won the double Cork City in 2017, you know, at Rochdown Park for when, when they had the, the celebration of winning the double, um, you know, he had the two cups. And it was great to see fellas like him being rewarded for putting so much into the club. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I said in my own couple of words on Facebook, I, I didn't know the men well only to see and to salute and maybe chat the odd time over the years. But I thought if there's a dictionary somewhere looking for a definition of club men, two words, John Kennedy. Yeah, John Kennedy, definitely. And you can put in the F if you like as well. The great <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> see you, Drav. Cheers. That's Trevor Welch from The Score on a Sunday and from Premier League Live online on a Saturday. Of course, 96 FM. Handbags at dawn, Victoria. Yeah. Um, myself and Ross are intrigued. It's an old Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> are you having a laugh? I found a, a jar on meal and half cucumber in my handbag. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be the best. That's hilarious. I was coming from meal back home to car, got home, put my hand in my handbag, out came a frog. So I had carried a frog <laughs> all the way from County Mayo to the car. And that's why we've got coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 On Quartz 96FM. I'll read again that little tribute, uh, that little statement issued by Grace, John's daughter, uh, to us and I'm sure to others as well over the weekend, uh, just before we finish at midday. And if anybody else has anything else they'd like to talk to me or to speak to me about with regard to John Kennedy or a message or a WhatsApp or whatever, uh, please do, because we just said we'd devote a little bit of time to him this morning has had such a colossal impact on or a colossal influence on Cork City Football Club. Now, here's an interesting one. A new television show starting. I mentioned on um, the Casey and Ross this morning that I have a thing about reality TV. I, 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 I hate it, but I should probably have categor- or qualified myself by saying there are some of them are watchable. Some of them are interesting, like Gogglebox, for example, you watch. Or there's other stuff. Like, do, you, do you class Dermot Bannon as reality TV? I don't know whether you do. But there's a new program starting on Virgin Media, and they're looking for people to take part. And this could be fun. It's called Eating with the Enemy. Intrigued? Yeah, I was too. Surika Heron is the producer. Surika, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. This is one I think I might sit down to watch. Eating with the enemy. Tell me more. So the crack is basically we're we're going to be pairing two people, two total strangers, um, who have opposing views, and they're going to sit down together and have a meal, and we're going to see what happens. Now it's not uh, it's not going to turn into a screaming match. That's not what we're about. It's actually based on a social experiment that was carried out in Switzerland a couple of years ago. And they they paired about 1,400 
people together. Well, I think it was 1,400 pairs rather. And they came together and they all had, they sat down for a proper conversation. So it's really about, you know, nowadays where there's all these kind of, you know, 280 characters, debates on Twitter. And it's really about taking it off that and sitting down face to face with someone who you wouldn't ordinarily meet um, who you know? I think today we we just don't always engage with people with uh, you know differing opinions to our own. So it's really a chance for for people to to take that debate and really see if there is common ground, or maybe there will be sparks will fly. And look, you know, PJ, you're you're no stranger to debates. I mean, that's what you do on a daily basis. But yeah. we really want to see if there's just something more behind it and if people can especially nowadays with kind of expanding your echo chamber and yeah. we're all so entrenched in our views um, and it's, it's it's getting quite toxic I think yeah. um, so that's that's the real basis behind it and and, and the, the good thing is that most of the people that took part certainly in that experiment they you know they were happy they did yeah like some of the things that might come up Mm-hmm. Brexit, the pandemic, vegans, yeah. global warming, homeschooling—it could be very All interesting. Could be great. And look, and it's not okay that look. I think the obvious ones are going to be you know people who aren't happy with you know what you know the policies that are being made, some social issues. Um, yeah, the the pandemic is one thing, and look, we're we're quite mindful that you know this isn't about disputing facts, but it's about disputing opinion. Yeah. So there is a difference, and I think that's an important difference as well. So how, so, how but, does one get involved? When will it start? So it is, we're hoping to film it at the end of, of the year, you know, and we're all, you know, we have COVID, um, you know, a safety team in place, so we'll all be compliant around that. But um, they can get in touch on all our social channels where it's all on Eating Enemy, on Twitter, on Instagram, or they can email eatingenemy uh, at uh, ie. It sounds like a lot of fun. Great. Yeah, super. Look forward to it. Sorega Heron, producer of Eating with the Enemy, coming up on Virgin Media. Eating with the Enemy at animotv.ie. That's Eating with the Enemy, all the words of capital letters, all one. That's, yeah, you know, it's stuff. Animotv.ie or at Eating Enemy. Capital E for Eating, capital E for Enemy. We'll see what happens. No doubt they get someone from Cork. No doubt there'll be a I, I She said there won't be a row, there won't be shouting. Or there will be shouting. Maybe there'll be things thrown in people's faces. Speaking of which, speaking of which, that particular incident at the weekend where somebody walked up to Leah Varadkar in... He was, giving, he was doing an interview, wasn't he? He was doing something. And it was a garden. Um, I forget the name of where it was now. And... Somebody walked up and threw a smoothie into his face and walked away with her skateboard. And it was a video that kind of went all over social media at the weekend. I think most people were agreed, look, you mightn't agree with him. You mightn't like him. You mightn't want to be on the same country as him, let alone the same planet as him. But that was not the right thing to do. And no one should be allowed to do that to anybody. And it was a disgraceful act. Then again, there was other people going, Good on your girl! Good on your girl! I wonder what side you come down on. I sincerely hope that no one will have their soup thrown in their face when it comes to eating with the enemy. I just want to read out that statement one more time that was issued uh, by Grace Kennedy. Um, Just to kind of package off our 
tributes to her beloved dad and for the many, many friends he had and the many, many friends he made across not just Cork City and County but up and down the country. Uh, she issued a statement on behalf of the family saying to the people of Cork and beyond, we would like to express our sincerest gratitude for all the kind words, posts, pictures and stories that everyone's posting of Dad. It brings a smile to my face through all the heartache to see how loved and respected Dad was. We will forever be proud to call him Dad and if we ever become half the man he was, we'd be honoured and blessed. Dad is on his last away trip now and I know it'll be full of laughter joy, city chants and no doubt a box of sweets. Shine bright in the sky, Dad. City till I die and beyond. And that's from Grace. 1850 Let's return to something we talked about last week which was a motion raised at the council by Councillor Kenneth Collins to do with recruitment for the fire brigade because in order to be recruited to train for Cork City Fire Brigade you have to have a full driver's licence. And Councillor Collins raised a motion at council suggesting that that might be waived given the fact that so many people for the last number of months have been unable to obtain a driving test because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it was raised at council. It didn't get anywhere at council. And we asked Victor Shine of Cork City Fire Brigade what the story was. And he explained that once you start in the fire brigade they want you driving the jeeps and driving the small vans and stuff on a class B license you must have a full class B license getting in but then they will train you up to the class C to drive the bigger vehicles but it has always been a requirement that in order to be recruited for the fire brigade you have to have a full driver's license you still think it should be waived Kenneth Collins good morning good morning DJ how are you good I do, of course. Um, I suppose what I'm looking for is it's a temporary wave, right? COVID is in. It's after changing the world. People couldn't do their tests while COVID was on lockdown and this country was in lockdown in the city. Um, I know I, be tra- I drive a truck for a living, so I know exactly how hard it is to get those licences. Um, I suppose I'll, I'll, I'll make a reference to the Irish Defence Forces. You can walk in the gate there. And you you can drive out and after doing loads of training, uh, walk in with no license, walk out with articulated lorry uh, license. Um, I believe that if you go in, you you get the highest level of training within the fire service. Mm. And I, I just think you know the training should be done within the service rather than going in. I, it's an advantage if you had it going in, but it wouldn't be criteria. Full but criteria. their training is in more advanced driving, Kenneth. Their internal training is in more advanced driving. You surely need to have a baseline level for that. And actually, the person that contacted me would would, would have been, um, but unfortunately, you can't. You know, third generation fire service. Um, their their um, test was cancelled during COVID. Mm. And couldn't could not do it. Unfortunately, they they cut off point. I think it's twenty fifth of this month for the the applications to to apply for the fire service. So his his chance of being a third generation firefighter is gone now at the moment. You know, and I just think you know, is it it, it wasn't always criteria. I think this was brought in twenty years ago that you had to have a license coming in. Before that, it was training given and brought up to the rankings. And I know, listen, driving a fire tender, you, you, you're driving a, a HGV, you have a crew on you, you're watching the road, you have sirens blaring, so you are trained to the highest level, I understand that. Mm. But if you walk in the door of the Irish Army and Navy, 
it's the same thing. You're given the highest level of training, but you don't. It's not a requirement in the defence forces. It is in the fire service, and I'm looking for it to be waived temporarily. Mm. Um, while COVID is in place, you know, I mean, the world is changing. People are working from home now. Your jobs have been lost. Uh, the music industry in this country is gone completely. So, you know, if you have someone that wants to go into the fire service, is keen to be a fire in the service, I think, you know, we should just look at this as a temporary measure, withdraw it, and, you know... Mm. I, I don't know, I, I just think, you know, it's madness, you know, if, if we people are keen to become firefighters and going into the fire service, you know... Yeah, I think it's essential that we need to look at how the world has changed over the last. We're changing months. a fundamental rule though that's been there for a long time. Twenty years, you know. I mean, it's only temporary. Mm. It's, it's like everything else, you know. They're saying, you know, I, I do it when there'll be no mass on a Sunday. You can't say that no more because it's after happening. <laughs> I have you. I have you. Well, was it, you, your motion didn't get anywhere last week, question, did it? Actually, it was a question. question. Right. Yeah. Are you going to bring yeah. up a motion on it? I am going to bring a motion to council because, you know, if you have people that are willing and wishing to work for the city, work for the fire service, and because of this little hiccup, you know, because it wasn't that person's fault either that COVID hit this country, okay. you know, and his test was cancelled. So okay. I just think, you know, we need to we need to look at look at criteria going forward as well. Okay, leave it there for so. And do, the obviously the question the, the the question was asked last week. Now, Councillor Collins intends to bring a full motion before council that for now for this recruitment drive for the city council that the requirement to have a full driver's license would be waived for this time out. I wonder what support he would get for that. 1850-715-996 will seize you when it goes before a vote of the council. Mention as well for the lads on the proc. Good morning, boys and girls. They're watching us this morning. They're talking about protests taking place where people hand a microphone from one to the other. And maybe with all of the various... Numbers going up now, the COVID-19 numbers going up now in 36 cases in Cork yesterday. Maybe those kind of protests and demonstrations should end for now, where people hand a microphone from one to the other. I was at, actually, and I was honoured to speak at a demo for the Debenhams workers on their 150th day. And as they passed the mic to me, it was wiped with a, with a, cloth or a, you know yourself a, a sanitizing wipe so there was that I don't know what you think 1850s thanks lads always watching me back 1850-715-996 there's a piece of legislation going through in the next week we think that's been waited for for a very very long time it's really important we continue our efforts to stop the spread of coronavirus. New government guidelines have now made mask wearing mandatory in shops, supermarkets, shopping centres and on public transport. Retail staff must also wear a mask unless there's a two metre distance or a partition. Disposable masks should only be worn once. Cloth masks should be washed daily and multiple masks should be used in rotation. If a mask becomes damp or wet, it's no longer effective and should be changed. Remember, when touching your mask... Wash or sanitize your hands. Help stop the spread of coronavirus and stay safe. I've been trying to keep my distance. Keep up to date with the latest COVID-19 information at 96fm.ie. 
We've talked in the past about uh, Coco's law on bullying or bullies who target young people uh, online or in real life could face up to five years in jail. It's a very tough new law and it's been brought forward in legislation uh, by the former leader of the Labour Party, Brendan Howland. And this law could also involve people being hit with fines of up to €2,500 for engaging in sustained bullying. And it will come before the doll, we think. Uh, is it? Is it this week? Or Jackie, rather. Good morning. Hiya. Hiya. Come on. You're Nicole's mum, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mom. Is it this week it's coming up, Jackie? Um, I'm not too sure. Um, all, all, all I'm aware of is um, when I handed in the, the petition to Brendan Howland and the other two TDs on Wednesday, um, straight after that I had a meeting in the... Uh, justice uh, or the Department of Justice and while I was in the Department of Justice the rest of the guys went down to the conference centre and they had a meeting in the conference centre about um, Coco's Law um, I've been told that um, it's top priority and that um, they're going to get this in as quick as I can and that that's that's all I've been that's as far as I've uh, <laughs> I've got well, it's in there now, and it's in it's it's, it's in, in the, it's in the mix, as it were. Yeah. Tell it, remind us again about 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 Coco. Um, Coco was um, she was my only little girl. Um, I have two boys, but she was my only daughter, and she took her life at the age of twenty-one. And um, she was physically bullied um, from eight, from age seventeen, and um, where they put cigarette butts out onto her pulled her down flights of stairs, dislocated her hip because they pushed her so hard into the corner of the table. And, you know, gave her a six-inch bone on her arm and and much more. But they weren't happy with that then. Um, They uh, changed it um, online then where every day they told her to to, to hang herself and die. And, you know, everyone hates you. No one wants you here. How did it start, Jackie? How did it start? And um, through jealousy, uh, it started off with two girls in particular. And now one of the girls has has since moved to England, and she has admitted that it was um, true jealousy because even though Nicole was quiet and and shy, you know, and she just wanted to have a, a few drinks and a laugh, um, she did get attention. You know what I mean? She was beautiful, stunning going out, and she did get attention. And girls don't like that. That they, you know, if if. You know, if you're if you're popular or if you're if you're good at sports or if you're good in school, you know, you know, people don't like to see other people um, being more popular. So um, yeah, they just uh, tagged her. They made fake pages um, where they said they were going to beat her up so badly that they were going to leave her on life support machine until one day. Then, and um, when myself and my fourteen-year-old son found Nicole in the hall. Um, oh my goodness! She was, yeah. yeah, she was put on life support machine, you know. But, it was, but it was too late, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's they're taking it up seriously, and it'll be brought yeah. before the house. Uh, yeah. uh, hopefully, the numbers will be there to get it through because it's an opposition bill, and we need to get it through. You need to get you need to get government votes on it to get yeah. it through. So hopefully, well, hopefully I know, I know for a fact, there's nobody opposing opposing it in, in, in the government and um, there's not one person and um, how true this is I'm not sure but I was assured by um, the Minister of Justice that it should be in before Christmas um, but 
you know, things have happened. I've got my knockbacks. Um, you know, I'll, I can just keep my fingers crossed and, and, and hope that it is before Christmas. But where it is now, um, PJ, it's, it's, it's in the right place. This is, is. And I have the right people now. It took a long time, you know, to, to find the right people to help. But um, I have the right people on board now. Um, and um, it is going to okay. be, it is priority. So I'm feeling a bit more hopeful than Good. what I was. But, um, well, well, here's, here's well, a hoping, lot more hopeful. Here's hoping it all works out between now yeah. and Christmas and that Helen McEntee can put it through before Christmas. Thanks very much and the best of luck uh, for the future. That is Jackie Fox, uh, mom of Nicole and hopefully Coco's Law will be in place this side of Christmas. We'd keep an eye to it, probably talk to Jackie again. That's it. Today's programme was produced and researched by Maureen Twig and Katie O'Keefe. I have been asked to play out on a particular song for John Kennedy and his fans and his friends and all the supporters of Cork City. And we will do that. And we'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.